Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. And we're back this week again with Kate and Emily from Ignorance is Bliss. And this time, Kate's going to tell us a story. I am. You ready? I'm going to help. Yeah, Emily's a good helper. This will be fantastic. Because <laughs> she's just going to make shit up. Actually, this time it's her making shit up instead of me. It'll be very interesting. And I know some about this case. Kind of. So, yeah, let's go. Um, so, the, the story kind of starts... We're in about 1850, 1849 or 1850, there's a wedding and it's between Sarah Anthony Morse, because apparently this is a thing was male middle names, no matter who you are. So that's, that's a theme in this, Mm. in this story. So Sarah Anthony Morse married Andrew Jackson Borden. um, Wait, 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 wait. Andrew Jackson Borden? Yeah, he was both a ridiculous racist and he sold milk. That's how it was. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh God, that's, that's Andrew Jackson. He was a ridiculous racist. He couldn't help himself. So hey. they got married and they lived in Fall River, Massachusetts, which, I mean, people give a lot of flack to Fall River. It's not that bad in terms of it's not Roxbury. It's not Lynn. It's not Lynn. It's not Lynn. And I mean, we live next to Lynn. So oh, man. We can say with authority that Fall River is not the worst place in the state. Okay. Um, Andrew was from a comparatively well-off family, but he didn't seem to have inherited. So the first several years were a challenge, and he ultimately... Found his fortune, and it was a pretty good-sized fortune. I think he was worth around $8 million when he died. Oh, shit. So he found his fortune making and selling, guess. Burritos? Tacos on Racist Tuesday. milk? Racist no, it's caskets. Huh. Oh, that's Yeah, that was his deal, was caskets. And so Borden, I mean, the thing about caskets is that it's a growth field. You know, somebody always needs one. And if people have more that's than two true. children, there's going to be more caskets oh, man. it's an optimistic miserable field right yeah <laughs> so he also got into property development so that means he was a dismal asshole i think i mean if you if you take the two because aren't property developers usually kind of asshats and caskets is not cheerful i don't know so they got married and pretty quickly they had a daughter named emma who oh. was as far as I can tell, and this is through comparatively extensive research and reading over, over several, many, 20 years, 15 years. Several, something. many, 20 years. That's a specific term. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. It's like a shitload, only not quite. It's like more than a shitload. But, I mean, we spent our fifth anniversary at the Lizzie Borden house. Whoops. Spoiler. Borden house. And so at least since then, which was a long time ago because we're married 18 years now. But anyway. Mm-hmm. They got married. They had Emma. Emma sounds, through all of my reading, as boring as white milk, as it were. I mean, name, give me something that's boring. Uh, not racist milk. That's what I'm saying. White milk. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. I mean, if there was light bulbs. I mean, so if there was an event in the Olympics for boredom, she would meddle. Right? She comes from a long mm-hmm. line of boring. 
One of them used to bore professionally. You know, you get the idea. She was not an exciting critter. You know, in that day and age, girls minded their manners and did what they were told and learned how to support the patriarchy. And a lot of time in church and seeing, you know, children seen but not heard, all that kind of crap. I wonder what that would be like. And, uh, yeah. And so they lived in on 2nd Street in Fall River, which is not a crappy area of town, but it's not the fashionable area of town. So they started out there because when Andrew and Sarah married, they couldn't afford very much. And it's not a bad house. I mean, it's it's weird upstairs. That's the best word I can use. Like, all the rooms open into each other, so... You can't, there's one bedroom that you, you cannot get to without walking through someone else's bedroom. You know, oh. there, there is no hallway on the upstairs. It's just a, this, this, this mess of rooms clumped together. It's a clump of beds, whatever. So, so that's no. where they lived. Uh, they stayed there. And after about 12 years, um, they had a, or nine years rather, they had a second daughter. And there's actually controversy about what her gibbon name was. Everybody called her Lizzie, but it's not clear if that was her name at birth. That's what she claimed, that her baptismal name was Lizzie. But she proved later in life to be impressively, magnificently full of shit. So eh, <laughs> we'll go with Lizzie. Um, Emma was nine years older than her, and so Emma got to be the little mother. A lot of the time, especially because very soon after Lizzie's birth, Sarah got sick. Um, She just, you know, she would get ill and she wouldn't bounce back. And then she'd get sicker and she wouldn't bounce back again. You know, it got worse and worse over time. Um, I want to say that they used consumption, you know, tuberculosis as the the cause of death. But now I didn't look it up and now I don't really know. Um, But... The moral is when Lizzie was three and Emma was 12, their mother died. You know, as you can imagine, this is not something that any kids would cope well with. But Andrew was busy making caskets and being racist, you know? I mean, and this is, you know, being the late 1800s, I feel okay assuming that he was a racist. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, So... Three years later, so now Emma's 15 and Lizzie is six, which is a spectacularly bad time frame. Andrew made the decision to remarry. He remarried a woman named Abigail, who was known for absolutely nothing. Um, She was seen (laughs) by most as a gold digger. Gross. And I mean, he had a a lot of money. You know, uh, yeah, we're not going to finish the next line, but yeah, we're all too white. <laughs> it, it just, I mean, he goes with he goes with the racism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But the moral is, he got married when you know the six year old is just aware enough that this isn't quite right, and the fifteen year old is going to know how to turn her nose and be all snit like and bitchy in the way that only teenage girls can manage. I don't know what you mean. Oh, shut up. No. <laughs> so, You're just not a face, Mom. This uh, is what I am. It's not a face. I know. So, Abby Durfee Gray, Abigail Durfee Gray, became Abigail Durfee Gray Borden. Because why drop a name when you can add one on? A name like Durfee, too. Durfee. Well, I'd get married. Uh, that was her middle name. That was her middle name. 
dirty. A dewy pile. A dewy pile. So yeah, there's <laughs> a, so so court. You know those trucks? A dewy pile that you see on the road. Get off the table. Thank you. What must the A stand for? I think it has to stand for ass. Or Adolf, or something. I mean, because ass Dewey Pile is yeah. the only worst what, thing that what I can What possible up with. first name could be worse than Dewey or Pile? That's what I thought. Oh. I mean, you know, I mean, Adolf at that, that time wouldn't be bad, but yeah, it's. I I, I can't imagine what. Anyway, so <laughs> Abby Durfee Gray Borden and Andrew Jackson Borden had, as far as anybody knows, a pretty straightforward marriage. Uh, between them, there was not much conflict. Uh, Abby kept a decent house. They did have the funds to have a maid. Their first na- maid was named Maggie, and she really helped raise the girls quite a bit after Sarah died. And th- the name of that maid is mildly important because after some period of time, Maggie was no longer with the family, and I don't know why. You know, retirement, death, or molasses. It could be any of the above. But in any case, the next maid was also Irish. They looked somewhat similar. Mm. And they were both maids. And so the next woman's name was Bridget, but they all continued to call her Maggie. And this is what I meant about oh. racism. That's horrible. You know, that yeah. you know, I mean that's some 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 high level racism when you don't just judge somebody based on, you know, the color of their skin, but also their heritage, even though they look just like you, that's fantastic. So that was Andrew Jackson Borden household right there you know and it's the prime time of uh nina you know what like irish need not apply no irish need not apply it was briefly right. it was changed down to oh. nina because they would just put neat like you would just put nina in the window uh. and they knew no irish like no irish need not apply because uh otherwise they would uh pretty much otherwise they might apply my god yeah no they were willing oh to god, hire them they? they just weren't willing to acknowledge that they might be different people. People? What? Yeah, I don't think they acknowledge that they were people. It's true. So, by the late 1880s, this is a tense house, though, because even though Abby kept a reasonably good house, and she and Andrew got along as far as anybody knew, you know, casket makers got a hard life, but, you know, whatever, they worked it out. Um, Despite all this... There was a lot of tension in the house because of the girls. Yeah, because Emma never married, and so she remained in the home, and Lizzie decided, that's a good idea. I'm going to remain here, too. So by the late 1800s, 1890s, you've got Emma, who's pushing her in her 40s, and Lizzie, who's 30, still living at home. They always refused Uh to call Abigail mom or Abby or, you know, Maggie, or whatever. <laughs> they called her Mrs. Borden at all times. Ooh. Which was, you know, Ooh. it could have been worse. I mean, they could have used one of those memes that's like, what's a prison bitch name, based on right. the letters of your name, but no, it was pretty bad. Um, so Lizzie spent her time living a wicked, self-righteous, uh, holier-than-thou type life. Um she was big in, into their church, the Congregational Church. She was a member of the Women's Christian Temperance Union, which means she couldn't cope with the idea of alcohol. And to that, I raised my glass. Um, my beer is empty. I'm sad now. Right? I mean, I'm okay with them not drinking. Right. You know, but leave me alone, bitch. 
<laughs> so that's, that's just, they, they lived this very self-righteous life. She, she and Emma snubbed Abigail whenever possible. And they were basically, I mean, they were assholes. They're, they're, uh, there's not yeah. a better way to, to word it. And a lot of times people sort of portray Lizzie as the bad one and Emma is this sweet girl. But I don't have any evidence that Emma was a sweet girl. You know, she never got married. She never spoke out about the violence that happened in her house. And she never did anything with her life that would suggest that she was anything other than... What I've been trying to be lately. Okay. (laughs) So, whatever. The moral is, too, that Lizzie, if she grew up to be this murderous asshole, not just an asshole... Oh, dear. Am I giving away who I think did it? Oh, no. (laughs) Pardon me. Oh, no. You know, Lizzie's going to learn hate somewhere. She's going to learn disrespect somewhere. And so I don't place the blame on Emma, but I, I do say that she didn't learn, you know, acceptance and love and light from Emma. So even if Emma was dishing it out, Lizzie wasn't drinking it. Emma? I mean, their father was a casket maker. Yeah, cut him some slack. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'm saying, that, so if Emma wasn't dishing out <laughs> sweetness and light, Lizzie's not going to get it from her dad. So there's that. Um, I mean, things just would get contentious. They, the girls, the, the, the maid had to serve breakfast twice every day because the girls refused to eat with their stepmother, which is another oh. slap to the face. Um, the girls would ask other women in the church to teach them things like sewing and knitting, even though Abigail knew how to do it. You know, so it was this <laughs> sort of constant passive aggressive shit. That I experienced, actually, with my first mother-in-law. Hell yeah, you did. But you lived through it. I did, so did she. Somehow. <laughs> well, Did she? She flounced. I mean, you said that she stopped talking to us, but I don't know. All right, you know what? Like, a, an axe is like the period on the end of a sentence. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, let's be clear for those listening that I had, my, my, my husband was adopted, and so my first mother-in-law... Was, my, was his adoptive mother, and she was a challenge? Asshole. Okay. And my second mother-in-law is his bio mother, and she is fantastic. I love her. She makes the best cookies. Oh, she is so sweet. So, there's a happy ending on our story. Liz not on this and one. Emma did not provide such a happy ending to their story for the great romance, which is racist casket maker Andrew Jackson Borden and his wife. So in 1892, Lizzie's 32 years old, Emma's 41. She teaches Sunday school, but okay, again, it's, in those days, everybody taught Sunday school once in a while at some point. So this is not like someone who is immersed in her church and soaking up the good teachings. This is somebody who whacked children on the knuckles with a ruler if they weren't sitting still during the lessons. Wow. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for a distinction. So like my French teacher from sophomore year. Maybe. Honestly, she was old enough that it could have been. It could have been her. Except Lizzie <laughs> Borden was dead. No. Your French teacher might have been dead. She was dead inside. She was dead inside, yeah. Same? Okay. <laughs> so we come to 1892. It's a hot year. Like, not record-breaking like we're having right now. But it's hot and uncomfortable. Um, there are several little incidents that are sort of apocryphal, you know, like we don't, there's no way to verify them now because if you go down there and you ask, 
Lizzie and Andrew and Abigail won't answer. It's really rude. But oh, how dare they? I mean, people got to know, right? It's the right <laughs> FOIA requests go unanswered by those assholes. <laughs> so uh, in May, the 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 story goes that Andrew got upset. They had a barn at the back of their property, and a whole mess of pigeons would nest in there. No, nice. what is the what is the name for a clump of pigeons? Flock. A pile? Flock. A murder. A flock. A murder of crows. No, a flock. murder is crows. A flock of pigeons. Because it's flocked up. And I ran. No. I ran so far ran away. So far away. See? We're in this together. We are? I don't <laughs> no, understand why you're saying that. that. You are not in this together. <laughs> I'm not. Kids these days. <laughs> I'm all in this together. I think it's a crow of murder birds. Hi, I'm Troy Bolton. We're all in this together. Okay. <laughs> the, I think it, it should be, if it's a murder of crows, I think it should be a crow of murder birds. I think that you're insane. <laughs> it's possible. But I still think I got to a drop of murder birds in Courtney's show, so now it's spreading. It's cool. So whatever was living in the barn, I say owls, which I affectionately refer to as murder birds because of the Peterson case plus one tried to kill me. So yeah. that. I'm pretty sure... That it was owls and not pigeons. I did, see, I did the, see their poop out, or what is it? Whatever they cough up all the dead bits that they don't eat. Saw some of that. The yeah, other day. yeah, the pellets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so what happened? You know, the the so the getting off podcast covered the Peterson case not too long ago, and mm-hmm. they talked about the owl theory. And very shortly after that, I was driving in New Hampshire, and I had to. I was in the middle of nowhere, and I had to stop my car because two equestrians were mm-hmm. riding their horses because it's what they do across the road and they seemed to want me not to drive into them so how uh, how disrespectful i mean i i thought i would meet their request you know and wow this is the middle this is like three in the afternoon i stop my car and an owl swoops down and lands on the hood of my car you know and it does that move where it's looking at them and then all of a sudden it's looking at me and i'm pretty sure that if there's a staircase around it would have thrown me down it okay no up and the staircase <laughs> my brain short-circuited <laughs> like i had no coherent thought because this is what happens still i have I, due to health issues in 2010 i have sort of a mild word aphasia and if i get stressed out or tired i get creative with words creative and so like in the house if the kids need a step stool i'll be like go get the the magical thing that makes you taller <laughs> like that's how i roll mm-hmm. and so this critter lands on the foot of my car and my brain short circuits, and I'm like, oh my god, hold the, huh, it's there, the thing, it is, it's on the, that's a, that's a, that, that, that's a murder bird, oh my god. And so, <laughs> it has become a murder bird. They just, that's its formal name. I like it, I'm, murder bird. I'm waiting for it, to, and it's more fun to say than yeah. owl. I like owl. I like murder bird. <laughs> okay. It's like, the murder bird. Murder bird. Murder bird. I'm not a bird. See? You're going to be singing that all day or Bad day of it. You are welcome. Uh, Anyways. So anyway, there was some sort of bird living in the barn at the back of their house. Now, the barn is like almost as big as the house. Not really. It's probably half the size of the house, but it's, it's as tall as the house is. And they must have at one, some point had horses, but it, then they were just it was just used for storage. And apparently there were a lot of pigeon nest, nesting in it. And Andrew Borden got irritated because he was insistent 
that there were local children coming to hunt those pigeons. I'm not sure why that was a problem for him, but he decided that the answer was to take a hatchet and kill the pigeons with a hatchet. Uh, wait. (laughs) Wait. And uh, apparently Lizzie didn't like this. I'm still stuck on the fact that that was a solution. Do with that what you will. So, that was May. Then, in July of that year, 1892, there was a bad argument, and it it the most likely the topic had to do with the fact that Andrew had quite a bit of property around town and he was getting older, um, 69 by then. And so he was starting to parcel off the land here and there to Abby's relatives who by and large were not assholes. And Emma and Lizzie were not okay with this. And rather than choosing the path of not being an asshole, they chose the path of asshattery. I mean, (laughs) so there was a huge fight in July and it was like the neighbors got used to them screeching and screaming. And part of the issue was that, so you had to walk through Lizzie's room to get, I don't know how to describe it, but like, you know, if you, if you have a square two adjoining sides of the square had doors in it. So Emma's room is the square and Lizzie's bedroom is off her room and her room opens directly into the parents' room, except she had moved her bed to block that door. So the parents Hmm. couldn't just walk in. Um, and they would scream at each other from their different rooms, which is something that makes me insane when it happens at my house. We will not scream at each other from different rooms. Thank you very much. We will but scream at each other in the same room and then leave the room, slam the doors like normal people. It is. It's That's never like angry screaming. It's always like, hey, I found this cool thing on TV that you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we don't so much do angry screaming is angry muttering. There's a lot yeah. of angry muttering in our house. But the only screaming happens when you're 800,000 excited. Okay, so daily. For oh, you. my yeah. family is grumbling. My sister and I <laughs> ma- ma- make fun of my dad because he doesn't scream. He just starts grumbling and we just go, grumble, grumble, grumble. And I'm then he sure that he loves that. <laughs> yeah, he really so, appreciates it. Yeah, so the, the Again, neighbors heard like them. Said, on a regular, we- and, and so your dad would have to grumble at top volume. Apparently, mm. the... Borden siblings and parents had no problem with the maximum Ooh. volume pissed off screen thing. Someday. Oh. We, it, it's goals. It's life goals oh, for us. Yeah. Hashtag goals. Listen. Yeah. Well, I could refuse to move out and we could have one of those arguments. I don't care. You can stay here. Oh, well, that was disappointing. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, bad argument, though. This one was particularly bad. Um, I don't know in what form. I don't know how we know it was particularly bad, except that Lizzie and Emma packed up their shit and went to stay with relatives in New Bedford, which is not terribly... I mean, I don't know miles and things. It was farther than you can throw a sheep. From I can't house. throw. But it was not on the other side of the state or whatever. I think, it, I mean, 10, 20 miles, 30 miles, I don't know, guess. It was some... It was there, there, yeah. not here. Over there. Yes. And well, you know, they packed up their shit and left. And then in late July slash early, early August, Lizzie came home. Emma stayed in New Bedford. Lizzie mm-hmm. came home, but she spent four days in a rooming house in Fall River. She wouldn't just come home. So, I mean, her mm-hmm. dial went to 11 when it came to passive aggressive bullshit. Oz goes to 11. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And starting in late July and into early, very early August, weird. Things started happening. Things were going missing around the house that wouldn't normally, like, for instance, tools, including an axe. 
know. Oh. Um, maybe. Nobody knows. Plus, everybody started getting sick. Did anybody ask about it? Don't be asking me no questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was just a hatchet job of a joke. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm really cut up after that insult, Mom. We need to cleave this. Uh, get the point, room. okay. What's the point? Is it sharp enough for me? No, I can't handle it. Listen, anyway. we need to face up to the fact that this story only gets worse. Ice? I'm going to say, I may be laughing a little harder because I haven't ate in a while and I finished that beer pretty quick. Woohoo! Uh, You're allowed to laugh at puns. That's all we do. I yeah, love a yeah. good pun. Hi, I'm the Punisher. Oh it's my responsibility. Terrible. Rapunzel, shut up. <sighs> Let down your words. <laughs> your words are let down. So <laughs> anyway, so um, this argument that they had likely resolved around Borden and real estate and so on. And so there's one point. There's this weird thing where there was a house that was inherited from Sarah after Sarah died, mm-hmm. like a rental house that Andrew Borden sold to Lizzie and Emma for the princely sum. Which was considered a joke, even in that day and age, hmm. of a dollar oh. for a house with people in it. I'm not sure that he sold the people. I mean, he might have. He was a racist, hmm. whatever. But that's, you know, and then they turned around and sold it back to him for $5,000. So, I mean, I'm saying. Why would you take that deal? Rampant ass hattery. Why, but like, why would you take that deal? Yeah. If your daughters have drowned you in passive aggression for years and years. And he wanted the house back. Maybe he really wanted those people. Maybe, but still. I, I'm telling you, weird, weird shit going on. That's documented. The pigeon stuff and the axe going missing. That's all sort of stories. And I'm not really, there's no way to know. But that's documented. That happened. Um, and so, you know, suddenly the girls are richer by $130,000 in today's money, give or take. So, you know, it's not a bad deal. Um, anyway, so during this week... Uh, another thing that has been documented, although I use visual quotes around that one, because how do you document it, is that they started getting sick, like GI stuff. And, you know, in this day and age, you just sort of open, literally would open the window and throw up outside. You know, yeah. it, it's what you do. You just sort of, I mean, Andrew Gordon would, would stop on a street corner and throw up and keep walking. I did that in London from an no, Uber. No, you did that in the inside of an Uber in London. <laughs> It's very different. Your, your right. explosion of orange no, juice God, was not <laughs> casual at all. Yours was an event. His was a daily thing, apparently. You know, it's no big deal. Stop and tie your shoes. I'm going to stop and puke. It was a you, big deal to the British family walking you by. You scarred a child with your orange juice trajectory, let me just say. So it was a proud, proud moment in your life. Um, they kept saying over and over, it's bad mutton, it's bad mutton. And I'm thinking, first of all, don't eat sheep. But secondly, stop eating it. Like, if you're yeah. sick more than months, stop eating the, okay, never mind. Sorry, <laughs> me with my logic. Um, there is a story that Lizzie tried to buy either arsenic or prussic acid. Ash- the stuff. Either arsenic or prussic acid. Why is that hard to say? Just a sounds all over the place. Anyway, see the arsenic or <laughs> Sussex acid. That's what she tried to buy. 
and told the store clerk that it was for treating uh, like her raincoat effectively. And uh, okay, you know, the moral is she he didn't sell it to her, so it really doesn't matter. And the moral also is that within a couple of days, both Andrew and Abby had their stomachs removed, to which they did not protest because they were dead at the time and no poison was found. So (laughs) all of these are sort of stories and rumors and it's hard to know what started before and what started after. On the night of August 3rd, very unexpectedly, John Morse arrives at the house. He was Sarah's brother. And, you know, the, the common thing is it said he was there to discuss business matters. Um, more likely, it sounds like he owed Andrew money. And this would have heightened Lizzie's anger. You know, if they just had a big old argument about real estate and money going to his new wife, and now the brother of his first wife is coming begging for money or for help with business matters. And, you know, Andrew presumably did not just say, oh, yeah, sure, here you go. Here's a house with people in it. Give me a dollar. You know, so that may have fanned the flames of this particular fire. I don't know. Um, All of this from here on out is wild speculation because no one was ever found guilty in the case. But I am also pretty confident that Lizzie Borden is not likely to sue me at this point. So fuck her, she did it. (laughs) So here's what happened. Uh, The morning of August 4th, which was a Thursday, uh, around 7 in the morning, John Morse, Andrew Borden, and Abigail Borden had had breakfast together. Lizzie was awake upstairs but refused to come down as long as her stepmother was sitting at the table. So, Mm. yeah, she was an asshole. Uh, So, Mm. around, by, by nine, both John Morse and Andrew Borden had left the house. It's not entirely clear. Like, there's testimony where John Morse is saying, I left the house at 8.48 a.m. And my thinking is, bullshit. Like, why would you know that? The only reason you would keep (laughs) records or know that that precisely is because you had to. Because otherwise, you know, like all of us, you're like, I don't know, around nine. But whatever. By nine, they're both gone. Somewhere between nine and 10.30, probably closer to nine, uh, you know, 9.30, something like that. Abby is in the guest room, the John Morse room, which is, they're basically the second nicest room in the house. You know, the, the parents get the nicest room. The two daughters have their crappy childhood rooms in the middle of the house that open into each other. And then the guest room is at the front of the house and overlooking the street. And that's where John Morse stayed. And there are, Abby is in there sort of making his bed and cleaning up and probably going through his shit because why not? And fun. someone unknown who, Lizzie Borden, the reason I think it's Lizzie, I'll come back to. But let's, let's go through the facts first. That someone struck Abigail Borden in the face and then the twice and then she fell down on her face. And then they struck her in the back of the head 17 more times. With an axe? With an axe. Or a hatchet. Mm. With a bladed instrument. Could even mm. have been a meat cleaver, but only of very specific dimensions. So, you know, I mean, they were able to fit a triangular-shaped blade into some of the wounds, precisely. Yeah. So, mm. axe or hatchet is the prevailing understanding. Probably not a terribly heavy instrument. Like something a woman <laughs> might use. Yeah. For instance, um, Maybe killer, that woman's name would be 
don't know, Lizzie Borden? Oh, might be, but speculation. The killer would not necessarily have been covered in blood, even though head wounds bleed like a son of a bitch. But if they hit her in the front of the face first and she falls down onto her face, which she did, the blood is now going to be going that away. And I have seen crime pictures, um, crime scene photos of her. They moved the bed out of the way in order to get the photos because she fell down in the very narrow space between the dresser and the bed. You know, so it's only a couple Ooh. of feet wide. And the blood had time to coagulate and it all pooled around her. And let me just tell you, my professional opinion is that was a shitload of blood and there couldn't have been much left to fall on the <laughs> on the killer. That or she decided to have, you know, a sudden explosive aneurysm and take a nap on her face. And I'm thinking that's probably not as likely. No, mom, it was an owl. What? It was probably a murder bird. We should check. Murder bird. It really was. New theory. It's a murder bird. A murder bird. Murder bird. It's a murder bird. Murder bird. So, around 10.30, the murder bird has silenced. Andrew returns because he's been unwell kind of really all over town. Um, throwing up on corners. And, I mean, strangers stopping to ask him how he's doing. He's 69, which in that day and age especially is considered quite elderly. And he looked at, you know, white hair and getting kind of frail by then and very sort of stern look to him. And so when you get this guy who kind of has this stiff, overly dignified way of carrying himself, and then suddenly he's leaning over and throwing up on the sidewalk, people are concerned. So he's home within an hour and a half, you know, or so of leaving the house. And apparently keys are not a big thing back then or something because he comes home and he can't get his key to work in the lock. And the maid hears him, whose real name is Bridget, which they call Maggie. She has to get a key, uh, which is kept on top of the mantle and bring it over to the door. And she has a minute where she can't get the key to work either. And she swears, which, you know, very unladylike of her. And when she does that, and I mean, Let's be clear that her swear was probably, oh, damn, or something like that, because mm-hmm. they're not as known for creative profanity. Not like me. Yeah. <laughs> she, I trot her well, you know. You so know. she swears, and she hears Lizzie laugh in the, the, from upstairs. And the layout of this house, if Lizzie laughs from upstairs, she is in the house. Like, there is no possible way that she could have been in the backside of the house. Because Emma has blocked that door. So, you know, there's the John Morse room. There's Emma's bedroom. And Lizzie's bedroom opens off Emma's bedroom. And then Emma's bed is blocking the way to the back of the house. Right? So, mm-hmm. if if the maid hears Lizzie laugh from upstairs, it's one of those rooms. She kind of ignores it and opens the door. Andrew comes in and pretty much immediately lays down on the couch. About 40 minutes later, um, Bridget is being effectively forced to clean the front and back windows of uh, uh, front first floor and second floor windows throughout the house, even though she has the same gastrointestinal problem as the rest of the house. So she is out Ooh. alternately scrubbing windows and then going upstairs and laying down because she feels oh. impressively shitty. And she is, I don't recall that she's up on a ladder, I believe outside um, although maybe she was laying down at this point. Like, I don't remember where she was, but somewhere upstairs back of the house. And she hears Lizzie scream. And Lizzie screams, Maggie comes, someone has killed father. So, mm. you know, 
Bridget, not Maggie, scampers down, and Andrew is discovered with 10 to 11. I mean, this is how badly mangled his face was. But he had 10 to 11 blows with a bladed instrument, axe or hatchet, to the face um, while lying on the couch. So from the neck down, his body looks okay. And from the neck up, there is nothing. I mean, one of his eyeballs literally fell out. So, bad. Um, So, part of the reason I think Lizzie did it. Now, we'll come back to that. Let's go over the investigation (laughs) first. Investigation was almost nil and often creepy. So, a lot of the investigation centered around police thinking that Lizzie was flat and too calm. You know, strange demeanor for both of her and they used this phrase, both of her parents, to have been killed. And at one point, one of the cops says to her, so I'll give Lizzie a pass on this particular point, because what happened is that people get dispatched in every direction, and one of the mm-hmm. people that returned to the home was a doctor. And he felt, either through her demeanor or through what he expected her demeanor to become, that Lizzie needed to be sedated. And so he pumped her up with enough morphine to drown a horse. Give or take. Sounds like a good time. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say no. So sitting there with a flat affect? uh, Okay. (laughs) You know, when you've had that much morphine... You're going to get real relaxed real fast, and things are not going to upset you. But the thing is, at one point, a cop says to her something about her mother, and she turns him like snaps at him. That's not my mother. So she's able to come out of it for that long. So I don't really know what was going on. She says that she was upstairs through the morning. She uh, had that Abby had received a note from a sick friend, and that Abby had to go right away. And so she thought Abby had left the house and that was it. Now this note was never found. Abby didn't have all that many friends and none of them were sick. So the bullshit starts to pile up, especially because Lizzie acknowledges that she was in her own bedroom in the morning and to get from her bedroom to anywhere at all, you have to go down that front set of stairs. And I've been in the home so I can tell you that when you go down that front set of stairs, you can't not notice an enormous dead body on the floor in the, the guest room. You're, 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 you go at eye level down the stairs. There's nothing impeding your vision and it's going to smell bad. And no, <laughs> just no, you're going to notice. All you got to do is turn your head about 20 degrees to the side and you're going to notice something there. So her claiming that I thought Abby was gone. I didn't even realize she was still in the house. There's another brick on her bullshit pile. The fact that Abby was facing her killer when she was first struck, that suggests something very personal and a whole shitload of anger. It's not, that's not theft. That's not like a random kind of thing. And there were no defensive wounds on her. So she didn't put up her hands, you know, the way she would have if a stranger was in the home. You know, she would have put up her hands to, to, what are you doing? Why are you in my house? Even if the stranger was hiding the axe in a convenient X hiding receptacle or whatever, um, <laughs> which suggests to me that Lizzie or, or you know, subject unknown had the axe in her hand or behind her back or hidden in the folds of her skirt in a way that she was able to get Abby to turn around and start talking to her. And then all of a sudden, tink, with you know, or thwack, whatever you want to consider it, with an Squelch. axe to the face, squelch, snuggle. I don't know. 
So that whole just behaviorally, like it doesn't fly. It doesn't fly as well with, you know, like I said, it would be very possible to have completed that act without getting a whole lot of blood on you, really. Um, Then with Andrew, first of all, Lizzie acknowledges that she was home when Andrew got home. And she says that she helped tuck him in on the couch, that she took off his boots for him and helped him lay down. And Mm. she's really insistent on that point. But if you look at Andrew's crime scene photos, he's still got the boots on. So either Lizzie's full of shit or his killer had a weird anti-foot fetish. Or Andrew got up and put his boots back on as he was being murdered. Without his head. And then laid back down. Maybe murder birds can put on boots. Perfect. Uh, you know, I accept these as possibilities. So there's that. Within the next few days, there's other things. Lizzie says, well, as soon as I got my father laid down to become more comfortable, I immediately went out to the barn to get what is effectively clumps of lead to use for fishing lines. Okay. Oh. Out to the barn on the second floor. That's what she says. And then she was eating pears in the barn. Now, the barn was an incredibly dusty and unpleasant place, for one thing. And for another, she was really insistent that she was not only in the barn, but on the second floor of the barn. And a, you know, super quick-thinking detective went out there and went up the ladder and peeked, and the dust on the second floor of the barn was completely undisturbed. So we have another big old brick in her bullshit wall. Um, by, Where do you find a bullshit on, wall? Uh, somewhere around Trump. We should build a bullshit wall around Trump. No, he's already doing it himself. It's true, but some of the walls going around all of us, it's very suffocating. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, by so this was on the 4th of August. By August 8th, you know, so by the following Monday, there was an inquest, and Lizzie made a couple of these, like, weird statements, like, like I, many of them that I just repeated, that just really didn't make sense. You know, the sick note for the sick friend and he helped my father take his boots off that kind of deal um mm-hmm. and she had also in the meantime torn up and burned one of her dresses that she claimed had red paint on it and they found three hatchets in the basement two of which were clearly not the murder weapon just by shape and size and disuse the third was missing its handle and had been sort of clearly manipulated with the dust and the dirt that was down there to try to make it look just as dusty as the others. So it's not necessarily the murder weapon, but it's thought to be so. And in recent years, they've done things like sprayed luminol and the basement spots in the basement still light up and the floorboards underneath where Andrew died still light up. So it was a bad day at the Borden house. I mean, oh, yeah. the, the amount of personal rage, this is up close and personal. This is not aiming a gun and shooting somebody or dishing out poison. So it, rage. It, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Um, but for reasons I'm not clear about, because I didn't bother researching them because I'm tired, but uh, <laughs> the statements from the inquest were not allowed at her trial. So they effectively had to start over. And by her trial, she had kind of gotten her shit together. She told them a slightly more coherent story. Um, and well, by the way, she spent a fair amount of time in jail, although in jail, she made friends with the jailer's wife. She was allowed to sit at family dinners with them. You know, this is 
the Martha Stewart jail that we all imagine white collar <laughs> jails to be. This is what she actually had. Um, so her trial was in June of 1893. So it's only 10 months later. She did a good job of being the demure Sunday school teacher. Her, you know, her family, especially her sister, were there to support her. And for reasons not entirely clear to me, they had bleached and reassembled Andrew's skull. I mean, perhaps just because he wasn't using it anymore. So they were like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> but they brought that into the courtroom and Lizzie put on a tremendous display of fainting at the sight of it. So I'm not sure why she would have fainted at the sight of the nice, clean skull when she didn't faint at the sight of the not clean the skull because whatever. Um, another thing about, by the way, about the layout of the Borden house is that so the room that Andrew died in, the parlor there, along one wall, there's two doors and both of those doors open into the dining room. Right. So it's there's no hallways mm-hmm. in this house at all. And so the dining room has both both doors are on one side and so you, you come in at the head of the table or you leave at the foot of the table and those are your choices and so it would be very easy very easy for someone to assist andrew in lying down with his head at just the right position and then step into the dining room keeping most of the body behind the wall and sort of just leaning over into the parlor and using the hatchet and i have not given this that much thought no i have no idea so anyway the moral is i have very strong feelings about who (laughs) done it and and a lot of those come from having been to the house i've been there twice Mm -hmm. and i prior to being there i held a certain amount of skepticism because it's like well you know we don't know for sure she did it and there's this uncle and maybe somebody owed Andrew money and blah, blah, blah. But having been there and, and seeing the layout of, of mm-hmm. the rooms and seeing more of the crime pictures, the crime scene photos, which they keep framed in every room in the home, just so, you know, just in case you're curious at the time. And that sort of thing. I, I, absolutely, it would be difficult for someone not familiar with the house to get away with it. It would be easy for someone familiar with the house to get away with it. And I don't see John Morse as being angry enough at both Abigail and Andrew, especially Abigail first and then Andrew, because usually you take out the biggest threat first. So that's my thought. But the 12 white men on her jury looked at this demure, fainting Sunday school teacher and did not believe that she could have done it. And so she was found not guilty. Um, After the trial... She, at that point, adopted the name Lizbeth instead of Lizzie because, you know, now nobody will know who she is. Which is also, I might add, the name of our iguana for that reason. (laughs) It's true. We have a lizard named Lizbeth. She's very nice. Yeah. Not really the axe murdering type. She doesn't have thumbs. Well, yeah, but. So, you know, there's that. But she's very nice. Anyway, um, she adopted the name Lizbeth. And now, having inherited Andrew's $8 million estate with her sister, she decided to live it up by buying a house in the fancy part of town and was immediately ostracized by everyone else in that part of town. So she started hanging out with actors and reputed lesbians. Nice. Mm. Can you imagine? No. Yeah. 
I actually can't imagine it sounds like a lot of fun. But she she was oddly like inheriting eight million dollars in eighteen ninety ninety three officially. Like she had to wait until the trial was over to get the full proceeds. Um, in eighteen ninety seven, she was arrest, accused of shoplifting in Providence, Rhode Island. Huh. I don't know what that's about. Huh. In nineteen oh five, so twelve years after living in this fancy part of town with her sister and being a pious good christian woman in the middle of all of this partying and potential lesbianism and and drugs Mm -hmm. and so on emma abruptly has an enormous fight blowout fight with lizzie and moves out yeah went to live with that same family you know branch of the family in new bedford they never reconciled so uh 22 years later on June 1st, 1927, Lizzie had her gallbladder out. And immediately after that, she contracted pneumonia. And so Ooh. she died on June 1st. Emma died on June 10th. So just nine days later of nephritis, which is a, you know, inflamed kidney. She had had this condition for a long time and it just finally got the best of her. Um, so she would have been, God, Lizzie was... 66 when she died and so emma would have been 75 give or take so you know considered quite elderly for the day um lizzie left all her money to the fall river animal rescue league pretty much and that's what i got i like it so yeah i mean i have heard the theories that lizzie was involved in a relationship with their maid but i'm thinking if she was she would have remembered the woman's name um the yeah. theories that John Morse did it, but he he was he, all it was is about money, and he wouldn't have gone after Abigail first. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Unless he wanted her somehow, out of the way. Well, but still, you don't do that. I mean, you go after the biggest threat. I mean, what good does that do you? You know, yeah. if you owe Andrew money, why would you kill his wife? It doesn't make sense. Plus, she didn't have any defensive wounds. Hmm. You know, yeah, so just, I just I. I've heard these theories and I can't come up with any that that make sense for the house. Besides Lizzie. Except for, except for Lizzie, yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to hear my ghost stories? Always. I love ghost stories. <laughs> so, As I sit alone in this lobby in the dark. <laughs> and it looks, like a, it looks like the mentors could be outside. You know, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Cool. Well, they're not scary. Either one. Well, okay. The second one's creepy. I'll grant that. So I've been to the Lizzie Borden house twice. Um, first time mm-hmm. was as a fifth wedding anniversary trip with my husband. Very romantic. Um, and at that time, it abruptly, like, we were supposed to be sharing the house with a whole crap load of people the second night. Because uh, the first night we were. And we got the John Morse room, which is fun because I'm on that side of the bed. And there's a big framed photo of... Abigail taking her face down nap in a pool of blood and I'm (laughs) looking at that spot on the floor when I roll over you know it's like oh (laughs) good for you and you know whatever that night was fine no big deal the second night we were supposed to be sharing the house with like a tour group and something happened and they didn't come so that meant we literally had the whole house to ourselves except for the the owner who was there very nice woman and she Mm -hmm. set up in the dining room she was doing paperwork and Willem and I decided to go out for dinner. There's a, a actually a very good restaurant in a former church right down the road. Um, it's like a you know one of those restaurants where it's like in a, in a culinary school, so it's high high training chefs, but 
it's not very expensive. So that was awesome. And we're getting ready to go. And so I can hear Willem overhead. He's he's moving around. So I know where he is. And I'm standing in the front looking at the guest book, you know, just seeing where people are from. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a house with no hallways. So I'm in the in the parlor where Andrew Borden was killed. I'm looking straight through the kitchen. The owner is in the dining room and I can see both doors of the dining room. So I know she's there. Mm-hmm. I know where Willem is. It's only three of us in the house. That's it. And I hear clear as day somebody walking down the back steps. Um, oh. you know, and it is clearly descending. I'm it is clearly... I suddenly feel, really don't feel good. You look tired. I'm going to be done. Emily's going to bed. I'm almost. Bye, I'm almost Emily. Done, go to bed. All right. Bye. Bye. Um, Fun time. So I hear, you know, the, the, the <laughs> footsteps I hear are clearly female to me. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just... I mean, yeah. my kids thunder up and down the steps all day long, and this felt light to me. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm hard of hearing. I'm just hearing things. The house is settling. No big deal. And except for half a second later, the owner's head sort of pops out of the dining room, and she's looking around like, who the hell is that? Who's in the house? And so I thought that was really cool to have somebody else sort of back me up. They heard it, too. Yeah. Um, and it never went anywhere from there, except Willem refused to sleep in the parents' room on the side of the house, just in case. Um, yeah. But that is what it is. That was that was one thing. We ended up sleeping in, I don't remember if it was Lizzie or Emma's bedroom, but we didn't mm-hmm. hear anything. We slept well. It was, like, hey, it was fine. Um, so then this past year, not like a year ago, it's 16 months ago now uh, a friend of mine and I went down there for sort of a girls weekend and we you know it's one of those sort of the journey down to sort of fraught with all these things going on but we finally get there and there's another woman staying we're st- we staying upstairs in the attic has been converted to guest rooms where it used to be just sort of storage and in servants rooms and um, right. so we're up there settling in and we, the woman next door, in the way that, because this is a and b more than a hotel, you know, and so people get mm-hmm. friendly when it's like, I, we're, all we have are joining rooms, like, we're not besties here, whatever. <laughs> she came over, the woman next door, and she's talking to us, and so I was like, well, since you're here, you know, I handed her my phone, and I'm like, why don't you grab a photo of, of my friend and I as we arrive, and we sh- we started facing one way, but then it wasn't like the light. We were backlit. You couldn't see. And so the woman must have hit some. I still don't know what she did, but she somehow turned on my video recorder, but it was at like half speed. So it's a weird transition as she walks around the room and I'm turning around and you can see me turning around and it's slow. Um, but everybody's mm-hmm. laughing and it's fine. And then all of a sudden, again, I don't know how she did any of it. All of a sudden it goes to normal speed and another woman who wasn't there walks through the picture. Oh, yeah. weird. And now I didn't discover this until after we were home again because I didn't go through our photos during the weekend. We just had our weekend. And then I'm home yeah. and I'm looking at it and I'm like, what the hell is this? I didn't take any video and I watch it. And yeah, it's... The weirdest thing. This woman walks through who was not in the room. There was only three of us in the room. It was myself and my friend and the woman who was holding my phone. But apparently there was a fourth. Was it Lizzie? That's the question. Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) But maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Who's to say? Okay. I enjoy those ghost stories. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm so fading. I'm fading. It's been a long day. Yeah, 
Oh no, here too. I mean, obviously Emily, Emily just decided bed was for her right now. And you know, it's (laughs) two in the morning. I already released an episode and I have to decide if I'm going to release the second half tonight or if I'm going to go to bed and release the second half of the morning. I don't know yet. Go to bed. Bed is always the option. I'm going to bed. Well, I'm going to eat dinner. You know, it's 11. And then go to bed. Well, yeah, self-care. But, Got it. Yeah. I'm All right. Well, so that'd be nice. I am not. So um, that'll be nice, too. <laughs> yeah. You want to give your plugs? I can plug. Yes. Um, my name's Kate, and my podcast is Ignorance Was Bliss. That's at IWB Podcast everywhere and i talk about psychology and crime and various messed up ways people can behave a lot a lot of ways yeah uh, you know Um, people are creative i you know points for creativity even when they're assholes oh yeah um so i will see you next time with another guest who it will be who knows who even knows i don't know Everybody has a story, and not all of those stories are clear black and white issues, even when we think they are. We wonder, how did this happen? Or what is that like? Or what happens next? Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at IWB Podcast. happy to have you with us this evening and want you to enjoy every minute of your stay here. Listen to me. Please listen. If you don't, if you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's menacing me will strike at you! Are you ready to enter the sci-fi double feature drive-in? On every first and third Thursday of the month, your host, the conspiracy-loving Elisa, and yours truly, Jarrett the Kaiju Man Waglin, pick a very radioactive, a very out-of-this-world double feature, and discuss two movies featuring giant monsters, little monsters, genetic abominations, robots gonna awry, aliens attacking Earth, and everything in between. Then join us in the underground on every second and fourth Thursday as we look to shed some light on the unknown of this world and worlds beyond with our series the drive-in underground classified case files are presented featuring ufos cryptids and everything unknown so join us and don't forget to stop by our snack bar first Thank you for listening to the cult of domesticity we are available on all podcatchers on social media we're on facebook and twitter at the domestic podcast and instagram at the cult of domesticity if you have a topic request information or want to send us a recipe please email us at the domestic podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe and share with all your friends remember to stay domestic and cult free